The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever says to his brother Raka will be answerable to the Sanhedrin, and whoever says you fool will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar, go first, and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court, otherwise your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, do not take a false oath but make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. When we get to this section on the Gospel, we can break it down in these different areas. So two weeks ago, we heard about the Beatitudes. Last week, we heard about being light and salt. And now we hear these different clarifications from Jesus. What's important to see in the context is that this whole conversation is one encounter that from 
Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 1, to chapter 7, verses 29. This whole thing is what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. So we kind of sometimes just think of the Beatitudes as the Sermon, but it's actually all of this. So this whole time, he's, he's preaching to all of the disciples. That's what's going on here. And the whole Sermon on the Mount, the whole thing, right, is a collection of his teachings on Christian living and his perfection of the Old Covenant moral laws. We get a little bit more of those today. There's also these different discourses throughout Matthew, and the sermon that we are hearing envisions our heavenly destiny based on whether or not we accept or reject Jesus and his teachings. So we start to see that there are consequences involved with whether we choose to accept what he teaches and proclaims, or if we choose to reject what he's teaching and proclaiming. So we've had the Beatitudes, we've had the salt and the light, and it's, it's good to consider those in the context because the Beatitudes kind of take all of the, the um, trivial things of life, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are all the people who would otherwise seem downcast, less important, and Jesus is telling us, actually, those are the people that are going to inherit all the good stuff. They're the people that are going to actually um, come out on top, in a sense. So it's not always about being the most successful or the most powerful. It's actually uh, more internal. And then it follows up with that by just saying to everyone, you are the light of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. What you do shares me. Like you, are, you are value added. So now, knowing that, like, okay, the, the stuff I go through, all the junk, actually is for a good, and I have a value and an importance. This is nice. Let's get into this section, because this is a hard-hitting section. You have heard it said, but I say to you, you're like, oh, that's rough. So, when Jesus is going through today, he first and foremost tells us, I did not come to abolish the law or the prophets. So, quick question. Did Jesus come to change up all the laws? Yes or no? No. But he came to fulfill, which in the Greek word it means to complete. So does Jesus want to give clarification and add to the law? Yes or no? Okay, excellent, wonderful. You're on top of it. So, He's completing, he's completely fulfilled the Mosaic law and the Old Testament prophecies. That's what they're coming out of. Again, he's a Jew, they're Jewish, they're coming out of that. He's completing, and so this new covenant Jesus is providing includes and finishes the Old Covenant. It perfects and transforms. There is one thing that is different, and it's the sacrificial law in the Old Testament. Because the sacrificial law, we would hear often in those readings, how they would have to bring, you know, different animals to the altar for sacrifice. They'd have to bring different things to the temple or the synagogue. And we don't hear that anymore. Because Jesus is the sacrifice. He is the one that completes all the other Old, Old Testament sacrifices. It's no longer necessary. So when we're at Mass right? We celebrate on the altar his sacrifice, body and blood, 
being given up for us, that bread and wine that is transformed into him, that, that, keeps, that saves him forever, this is now the one perfect sacrifice. So that's the one thing he does, he does change. That there's no longer the need for the Old Testament sacrifice, which would be great, which is good because could you imagine us like slaughtering a bunch of pigeons and doves and cows up here? It'd be a hot mess. We don't have to do that anymore because his sacrifice was perfect. His sacrifice was perfect. But what he is expounding upon are the moral laws. And so we hear those, we know we think of those in the Ten Commandments. And he keeps them, and he refines them. For our Christian life, the power of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is necessary for us to obey the law and to grow in holiness. We actually need the Spirit to help us obey and grow. Without the Spirit, we're not doing that. And so that's so beneficial when Jesus says, I give you the advocate. I give you the one I leave behind to help you obey and grow. Now we see kind of a few different things in this gospel today. We see that there are consequences. We are given clarity. We are challenged to examine the literal versus literalistic, and we're challenged to compare feelings versus logic. This, this whole section is known it's called also like the sixth antithesis because there are these statements with a, uh, con- not a contradiction, but a um, clarification. So it's when Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. He goes through and he's kind of listing out some different ideas. The consequences that we need to be made aware of are before. He says, for those who know this and choose not to follow this, who actually are going to teach against this, you're in trouble. You are the least in the kingdom of heaven. And so, the way we can understand that is, don't do that. Don't teach contrary to God's teaching. Even if I I think or I feel. No, God has said this. He's the divine creator. And we either accept or we reject. It's not about tweaking or changing. It's I either accept or I reject. And sometimes that's going to upset us. But that's in a minute. So the consequences are that. That we would be last in the kingdom. Jesus implements then a new level of covenant righteousness. He talks about, we hear that word righteousness in there. And it stretches beyond the old law. So in one regard... In the old law, righteousness was seen as any Israelite who belonged to the nation. You know, they are part of that. They belonged to that group. Jesus is stretching that. He's saying righteousness is no longer just only for the Israelites' nation. Righteousness is for anyone, anyone in the kingdom of heaven, which is all of us, who follows what I teach. All nations can now share in God's blessing and become his covenant people. Awesome. Because without that, we'd all be screwed probably. Luckily, we're not. The second part of this righteousness, so there's the outward part, the inward part is that 
the new covenant is meant to pierce our hearts. It's meant to, to penetrate beyond the, the toughness that can be created on our hearts, the, the resistance sometimes of God's teaching. And it reaches within to govern a personal and private life to the maximal standard of holiness. Because all of us have a personal relationship with Jesus or should be striving for one, should be hoping for one. And this righteousness is what we are seeking to do on a personal level in our private lives. So when people make an argument to say, well, that's just my sin, it doesn't really hurt anybody, that's inaccurate. Our sin, personal or public, private or public, impacts us and therefore does impact the community because we belong to the community. Just as he's reminding us, we belong to the new covenant, the kingdom of God. So if we do something personal and private, it's still going to affect publicly, even though it may not be known because I guarantee, I guarantee I'm not the only one that's ever felt this way, that when I've committed a sin, I just, I feel bad. And it affects how I act. It affects how I treat people. It affects what I do and what I think. And I bet I'm not the only one that's felt that way. Yes or yes? All right. If I was, whatever. So the righteousness is an outward of, yes, we all belong. And the inward of my personal life, my personal relationship with Jesus, actually affects others. So the consequences are, if I obey and I follow, I'm doing okay. If I reject and don't, I'm in trouble. The clarity comes at the end of this gospel, when he says, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. It's tied into the oaths part, but it also just says, like, what you do, that personal life, don't let it be a dichotomy. Don't let it be split. Don't let it be, this is how I act at church, but then this is how I act at home. This is how I act at work, but this is how I act in the car. This is how I act here, but this is how I... It's yes is yes. Like, where, how I act here is how I will act there. It's how I'll act then. It's how I'll act um, wherever. So that clarity is, there's just one of me. And that one of me is growing and striving in holiness with the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the literal compared to the literalistic. This comes up often in Scripture. Jesus is very clever, and he uses uh, hyperbole, intense descriptions, to uh, shock and awe us at times. So, literal, and he has the idea of like, our sin maims us. It hurts us. It harms us. Literalistic, I don't see anyone out there with one eye. I don't see any single-handed people out there. If we were literalistic of the Scripture, we'd probably all be maimed physically in some way. But we're not. So the literal is, yes, my sins cause damage to me. Jesus gives healing to me reconciliation. It's not to get caught up or stuck on, well, he said we sh- 
he's saying like the effectiveness of lust or anger or any of the others that he describes goes deeper than just don't kill or don't do that. It's actually on a deeper level. He wants more for us. He wants to help us be better and, and be more than just the simple statement. So it deepens the moral codes. The pattern also, as he goes through this, underscores his authority as Messiah. I mean, it's a bold statement. You've heard it said this, but I'm saying to you, that's authority. That's Jesus saying, I'm actually the, the lawmaker here. I'm the one who knows what I'm talking about. And it's an invitation. That's, that's the best way for us to consider it. It's an invitation to do more and to be more. I mean, God, in his awesome love for us, does not make us to just put us in this world to suffer needlessly or to be given this box of rules to be confined. What he does is he gives us boundaries to live within so that we can have greater freedom. In one regard, I don't have to worry about the the protection of my life because the natural law, the divine law of don't kill, is something that we all follow. So I'm not at threat to be concerned like someone's going to stab me, generally. Depends on how I preach sometimes. But like that's how we live. We live in a place of greater freedom because of what God has given us. So the last part's the feeling versus the logic. Because the feeling is real. We can feel things. Some of us can hear this and get really upset because of our feelings and our experiences about things that have happened in our lives, whether that was through anger, hurt, divorce, lust, whatever. And we can hear this and say, oh, church doesn't, doesn't get it. And the church does. Jesus actually does understand completely. And yet, allowing our free will knew that life would become messy. That messiness should not take away from logic. There are rules, there are consequences. I really believe that if people showed up late to work every day, they'd get fired. And if you have a different set of like, ideas with your employer, I'd love to learn about that. That'd be great. Or if I was late to start Mass, you'd all be kind of ticked off at me. But we can come in late, we can leave early, and there's no consequence because it's how I feel. And we have to change to allow our feelings from being the driving force to, to allowing logic to being incorporated in that. I'm not saying forget your emotions and feelings. That's part of who we are. Like, that's, that's natural. That's God-given. But they can't be the driving, dictating force all the time. The Lord wants nothing more than for us to be in right relationship with him. He wants nothing more than for us to be happy and holy and to live a life that is full and rich. And therefore, he reminds us there are things that will impede that, 
that will make that difficult, that will affect that negatively. And so he warns us against them. He's not some maniac ruler trying to dictate our every decision, but to give clarity to say, this is good for you, this is not good for you. And all of us can relate to that because we've all had a parent who's told us, do this and don't do this. God is our Heavenly Father, and He loves us, and He wants the best for us. And so He will challenge us and push us, which means that we have to be willing to accept that. There are consequences, yes. There is a clarity that I can be exactly who I am and not have to be anything else to anyone else. There's this factual um, point about uh, feelings versus logic and literal versus literalistic. In the end, brothers and sisters, if we accept and trust Him, it'll work out. If we reject Him and choose something different, can't guarantee that it will. So our challenge is to examine within ourselves, where am I still growing? Because that's, that's inevitable. None of us has stopped growing, no matter how young or old any of us are. We are all growing in holiness. And the Lord has something to give us today, to share with us, to invite us into. So may we accept the invitation to go deeper to grow in that relationship by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can be his disciples sent out on mission, sharing the joy of the gospel.